Welcome to Garage Takes Season 3, Episode 23. Uh, make sure if you haven't done so already, hit that like, follow, subscribe button wherever you're at, wherever you get your podcast from. We greatly appreciate it. Please also hop over to that YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button as uh, we are now over 100 subscribers. So we're pretty, pretty pumped about that. We want to keep that thing growing. We, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, Got to talk uh, just a, a little bit of Michigan football. I know it's kind of the, the down period, but um, when your head coach is Jim Harbaugh, you never have a down period. So we got to we got to talk Jim. Got to talk. Uh, got to talk JJ. We got to talk Lions, of course. Um, got. I mean, that'll be the focal point of this episode. And then uh, we'll we'll preview the Lions against the Bucks as well. Lead us into the uh, the bets of the divisional round, the NFL playoffs, which has been which has been awesome. And uh, yeah, man, we'll we'll get right into it. But first, I want to welcome in my co-host Brant. Brant, how are you? Uh, fantastic. Uh, getting ready for um, what appears to be a new generation of Michigan football. Um, also enjoyed, um, enjoyed every second of the Lions victory this weekend, uh, hated every second of the Cowboys game. And I know we don't have to get into that, Dave, but, um, just another embarrassing way to fall on your face in front of national television. And Dave, we deserve it. We're Cowboys fans. So, and we're used to it. So it's whatever. On that note, let's talk about something a little bit more meaningful. J.J. McCarthy declares for the NFL draft. Jim Harbaugh taking uh, several interviews, it sounds like, across the league, whether that's the Chargers, the Falcons, came out today. Um, definitely is his, his name is in the ring. You hear about the, the ongoing contract negotiations. Harbaugh wants immunity from anything that comes down from the NCAA that, that may come out you know, in the next year, two years, who knows, that uh, you know he can't be held responsible for that contractually, and I don't know if that's a hangup, or you know that's kind of the the, the headline anyway, uh, or if it's just Jim wanting to test the waters and see if there's a better fit for him in the NFL after taking you know this Michigan program, getting it not only back on its feet, but win winning a national championship. But regardless, Michigan football is gonna gonna look a little bit different next year, to to say the least. Uh, the the first big domino, I guess, to to fall, if you will, um, that we we were unsure of what was going to happen is JJ McCarthy declaring for the NFL draft. Brant, let's start there. Your thoughts on that? Amazing. Uh, I know a lot of Michigan fans are like, "Oh man, I'm scared of the unknown here uh, without JJ McCarthy," and for good reason. He was a fabulous quarterback. Uh, did everything that he set out to do at Michigan. I'm I'm personally happy that he can close the the Michigan football chapter of his career uh and move on as undefeated against Ohio State, uh three-time Big 10 champion, one-time national championship, uh three-time college football playoff participant, uh and all the accolades that go along with being JJ McCarthy for Michigan football. So, uh if I'm JJ McCarthy, I make this move too. I just think what's in front of him right now may not be as good as it is right now. Um, and the other thought here, Dave, is what do you have to come back 
to prove. Um, he has nothing. He owes us nothing. He owes uh, nobody from Michigan anything. And I think that he could grow, obviously. But why not go grow in the NFL to me? Go grow where they say you need to grow. If you are serious about being an NFL quarterback, maybe one year at Michigan, handing the ball off a lot doesn't do a ton for you. Uh, maybe if Jim left, things would look a little different, but I doubt it. Uh, if Sharon Moore does get the job eventually, I still think he's going to be a run-first coach. Um, you know, Jim told us all last year it was going to be 50-50 split, maybe even more pass and run. It wasn't. It was like 60-40. Uh, still ran the ball more, and that's what they had to do to win a national championship. So it is what it is for Michigan football and J.J. McCarthy. But I think at the end of the day, J.J. made the right move. And if he's drafted by a team that allows him to sit behind a good quarterback, I hope he gets into a place like – I hope he could learn from a guy like Kirk Cousins maybe, um, someone that would be like willing to teach him how to be a professional like – what you needed to go through because he's willing to learn. I think Dave, we saw that in 2021 when he sat behind Cade back there for, for pretty much an entire year. Um, I think he's willing to learn and put in the time and to be a great quarterback. I know I've heard comparisons like Zach Wilson and stuff like that. Like I think JJ's in a better headspace than a lot of people realize. Like I don't think he makes this move unless he really feels confident in his abilities and maybe he hasn't shown everybody everything yet. I hope he just goes and blows the combine up, man. Yeah, I'm incredibly happy for J.J. McCarthy, one of my all-time uh, favorite Michigan players, and it's taken me a long time to, to throw somebody in that category. But, I mean, for me, it was Charles Woodson growing up, and then now, I mean, J.J. McCarthy cemented his Michigan legacy along with Blake Corum. I mean, the list go the, the list goes on, but um, I wish J.J. all the best, and – I, he owes us nothing. Like you said, Brant, he delivered on everything he came uh, to Ann Arbor for. He delivered on, and, and there's no reason to come back. Uh, do I think that J.J. McCarthy could benefit from more development, more coaching? Absolutely. Um, I do think, and Brant, you kind of touched on it, doing that at Michigan with a team that's not going to be as as good next year as they were this year, in a run heavy offense, when you can go to the NFL in hopefully a good situation, he needs a good situation. I agree, Brant. Um, JJ is not ready to be a starting NFL quarterback. Um, he can't do what they, you know, wanted Desmond Ritter to do or take over halfway through the season. Like he's just not there yet. Uh, quite honestly, I, I, I love what the Packers do. Like, go back for the, the Brett Favre era and the drama when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. And then people kind of forgot about Aaron Rodgers because he was a first round pick, but he sat there for years behind Brett Favre. And then all of a sudden it was his opportunity. And we know how that chapter looked in green Bay. Uh, they did the same thing with Jordan love kind of, for, I didn't forget about Jordan love. You always knew. I mean, they spent, I'm pretty sure it was like a late first round pick on him. Very similar to what they did with Aaron Rodgers, And he sat back there for, for years and developed, learned and you got to have that right mindset it can't you can't be a me first person and jj mccarthy is certainly not that guy now you're looking at at jordan love taking his team to the divisional round of, of the playoffs and so i don't compare them as like similar players but in that type of scenario where he can just grow and develop get himself in in the league and hopefully in a good situation I think J.J. McCarthy could be a very good NFL quarterback. I know some people will scoff at that and, you know, say his decision-making or his throws and, and this and that. 
I think he's got he's got all of the intangibles, and there's one thing that you just can't teach, and that's being a winner. And and JJ is a winner, and I think that goes a long a, a long way. You know, there's a reason I, I I understand that Stetson Bennett hasn't gotten his shot, and maybe he never will for the Rams. But there's a reason that guys like Stetson Bennett get drafted to a team like the Rams. Okay, um, these guys are winners, and and you can't pass it up. So I wish JJ McCarthy all the best. Um, pumped to see wherever he ends up, Brant. The, the other, the bigger, I should say, the, the bigger headline that's out there is Jim Harbaugh, the unknowns of what's going on there. You know, is he going to come back to, to Michigan and sign this 10-year deal under his terms and how he wants it to look? Or is he going to go to the NFL? Brant, your thoughts on this as it stands right now on uh, Wednesday, January 17th, while we're recording this thing? I think this might surprise some people, Dave. I'm, I'm ready for Jim to move on. I, I think that now is a good time for him to probably separate from Michigan football. I I love Jim Harbaugh. Like, I always have been a supporter. Dave, I was probably more of a staunch uh, supporter of Jim than you ever were, even through the COVID years and stuff like that. You know, I, I just always felt like this guy's got to get it figured out. And when nobody wanted him, it actually turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to him. Um, cause he got back into the lab and he got back to work and he revamped the staff and we've been over that a thousand times. We don't have to go back down that road, but I think right now he has never been a hotter name and to come back to Michigan to go, Dave, I don't know. We'll get into the expectations for next year's team, but it potentially could be nine and three, 10 and two at best, maybe 11 and one. Um, and then all of a sudden the things about Jim Harbaugh start to come back all the way full circle. Like, okay, well he had JJ McCarthy. Now he doesn't have JJ McCarthy and the team went nine and three and they struggled and he's got all these allegations still hanging around him. I hate to say pull the Pete Carroll and, and dip out, but pull the Pete Carroll and dip out. Like just go. Um, I think the chargers job absolutely would be a home run for him. I think that if he landed with the Falcons, that may be a little bit tougher. Um, just, just seems like that the LA lifestyle like might might be better for him. He's kind of got West Coast ties, you know. Um, I, I really would like to see Jim do well in the NFL, and I think he will do okay. Especially handed a quarterback like Justin Herbert, that that's not going to hurt at all to have a guy like him. So I think as far as Michigan football goes, we are looking at a complete revamp of this football program and i dave for one am totally excited about it because you've got your national championship we can set that aside and we can kind of examine 2024 in a new light and be like let's figure all this out dave and it should be a ton of fun on the pot (laughs) selfishly i'm kind of rooting for it for sure um i don't have much more to add on that i i don't you could flip a coin with how i feel about this um I, i i'm ready if I get breaking news tonight when we record the thing that Jim Harbaugh has accepted a job, it's like, that's awesome, man. I, if my reaction will be like, I'm pumped for Jim. Like, great. I've been his biggest critic as people have listened to pod over the last three years um, and, and turned biggest supporter. I'm happy for and grateful for what he's brought to, you know, he brought greatness back to the university of Michigan. And to be quite honest, I didn't think that that was going to happen again. I I just, we went through some very dark years and part of those were the Jim Harbaugh years. 
And and to be where we're at right now, great. I will be happy for him and, and wish him all the best. I do think, you know, taking off like being a Michigan fan hat and all of that, the only thing I'll say is Jim Harbaugh, he is a tough guy to have around. Um, he burns people out wherever he is at. I think Michigan is the one place that he can't do that. Um, and I, I know that he can be criticized here. He has been criticized here. Um, but they're ready to build a statue for this guy right now outside of Schembechler Hall. And I I think the NFL, I, I'm not, I think he could win a Super Bowl. I think the Chargers would be a very good place for him to go. I know he interviewed for the Falcons. Don't love that spot for him at all. Uh, but the Chargers would be interesting. I think he can definitely win. Um, but I don't know. There's a part of me that just thinks like, Jim, you, you can just, just stay here and become, you know, Nick Saban's out of college football, like go and cement your, your legacy here. I mean, it's already cemented, but man, you could go on to be one of the greatest college coaches of, uh, of all time, truthfully. Uh, and maybe, you know, it's not next year, but I think that the smartest thing that Jim Harbaugh ever did when he went back to the drawing board is he didn't go back in the lab and come up with some master plan to make this team good. The master plan was burn it all to the ground, revamp the coaching staff, and he knows now how to surround himself with the right coaches, the right assistants, the Ben Herberts, the Jesse Minters. After you lose Mike McDonald, I mean, he's got these guys in the pipeline, it seems, and I think he could continue to do it. Um, so will I be thrilled if he comes back to Michigan? Absolutely. Am I expecting him to go to the NFL, and will I be excited for him? Absolutely. Flip a coin. I don't have too much of a hot take on that one. The Lions. The Lions, the Lions, the Lions. Hey, before we get into this, hop over on this YouTube channel right now. Hit that subscribe button. Lions fans, I need you to hop in on these comments right now. The 30-year curse is over. Burn the SOL, bury it, do whatever you need to do with it. Uh, the Lions broke the curse. They won a playoff game, and it was electric. It lived up to the hype. Ford Field, the environment lived up to the hype. And, man, you've got the entire crowd cheering for Jared Goff as he exits the field. And, I mean, Jared Goff is a big storyline. I kind of just I, – I do want to get into in this segment – um, obviously we know the story of, of Matthew Stafford coming back to Detroit. The Rams played a very good game. The Rams did kind of what we thought they were going to do. Um, I mean, Puka Nakua really couldn't be stopped. I, I think Brian Branch did a good job kind of bottling up Cooper cup. You didn't hear his name a lot, but this was just a good hard fought football game. And at the end of the day, dare I say Dan Campbell out coached Sean McVay on some key decisions and man I don't know what that four minute drill looks like in the Lions uh facilities but I love it because they they iced the game and I think Jared Goff was even confused like after the two minute warning and all of that like that they had actually won the game but from the from taking the long I think it was like a 54 yard field goal with Badgley which just seemed like not a Dan Campbell thing to do he did it they got the field goal um going for it on uh on, on fourth and two going, I think the biggest call of the game was when, uh, when, when, when truthfully the, the lions should have been running the football. They call that awesome pass play to a Monroe St. Brown to put the game on ice. And 
That's Dan Campbell in a nutshell. That play doesn't go well yet. I mean, people might be scoffing at it, but it went well. Um, He had the guts. He gets the glory. Lions get the win. Brant, take me through your thoughts on that game. Just so happy for all my Lions friends and just all the Snapchats I saw and all the Facebook posts and everything, all the social media of everyone at that game that decided to shell out that type of money. Good for you guys. I mean, what a night to have and to remember. And Dave, you highlighted some of the key um, key aspects of the game, but I think this is really a testament to Dan. Like, wow. <laughs> I did not see this coming, and he proved me wrong. Jared Goff has proved people wrong all year. Um, this offense is good enough to win a Super Bowl. I'll start there. Um and it's starting to feel like with the Buccaneers beating the Eagles, this is setting up to be a run, a Super Bowl run. And that is so rare to have a path to where you can sit down and look at it and say, hey, we should be favored this weekend. I mean, who knows what the Packers and 49ers are going to end up like? You don't know. You could potentially pull the Packers into Ford Field in an NFC championship scenario. Obviously, that's the dream scenario, but I think this offense is good enough to win the Super Bowl. This defense is not good enough to win the Super Bowl, so we're kind of at a crossroads. I feel very comfortable saying that. This defense still needs some work. They need to have some things go their way. They kind of dodged a bullet by Matthew Stafford, and I thought Sean McVay with two minutes and some change to go, fourth and 14, take the ball out of Matthew Stafford's hands and punt it. That's one where you might want to have Dan Campbell as your coach and say, we're going. I trust you guys. Let's go get this first down. That was another coaching move where Sean shriveled up, did his best Ryan Day impression, and went ahead and punted the ball. Now, I, I don't I don't think that I don't think that the Rams were necessarily a worse team than the Lions, but they the Lions did enough and they outcoached them here. Dave the field goal, you mentioned it had enough to get over the bar. That's all that matters. And they skated by. But you get this confidence. You get a Buccaneers team that is weirdly kind of hot, um, you know, playing decent football. But nothing that you're not going to be favored in and nothing that that crowd behind a hot football team in the Lions themselves can't take care of. Well, I, I want to talk about that crowd for a second because the crowd deserves part of this victory as well. The crowd forced the Rams into burning two of their timeouts, which came back in an absolute huge way with the Rams only having a timeout left for the Lions had the, had the opportunity to put the game on ice. And that's exactly what they did. Brant, that's because of the Ford field crowd. Yeah, it just I'm, it just is. And, and that is awesome. That lives up to everything that we thought it would be. And shout out to anybody who actually got to attend that game. I know I saw several people we know were in attendance at that game. I'm sure it was just absolutely incredible, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to, I want to just mention one thing here, Brant. Have you seen the the clip of Brad Holmes in the elevator after the game? Uh, I didn't see him in the elevator. I saw him in the locker room. Okay, there is a clip of Brad Holmes going into the elevator after the game and anybody who has not watched this yet, go ahead and watch it amongst some other viral things with the Jared Goff stuff. And Brad Holmes screams ah! like 
his he lost his mind in there and the elevator door closes as he is just screaming in there like a madman. And it gave me chills, Brand gave me chills for Lions fans. And because it represents so much, it represents the pain, the agony, the disappointment, the all of the stuff over the last 30 years. And I know Brad Holmes hasn't been here. I understand that. Um, but that level of emotion, Brand, there's a reason why people are crying at this game, right? Like there it's huge. It, it, it's huge for so many, for so many reasons. But to me, it was like, when I watched that video, I'm like, man, this is the scream heard around the league right now because Brad Holmes, I can talk about Dan Campbell for days. I, I think this is the product that you are seeing right now, the way these guys are fighting the dogs that you see inside of these players, that's Dan Campbell. But what Brad Holmes did came to fruition Sunday night. And that was his very first move was to come in as a new GM in after the Quintricia era that just, I mean, burned that thing to the ground. He comes in and what does he do? See you, Matthew. He trades the most beloved piece of this organization at that time. And pe- people were, I, I think some, like some people were ready for it. Like, okay, I guess we, we got to do, we got to do something different. And others were like, why would you tra- the, like get rid of the one good thing that we have had? Like Matthew's the only reason why we've been in games, yada, yada, yada. He trades Matthew Stafford. He builds an absolute arsenal of draft picks. And Brent, I saw this graphic and I saved it because I, I wanted to read this on the pod. I, I can't believe this, that in the last three years, I'm going to read the names from the 21, 22, and 23 draft. And Lions fans, tell me if these names sound familiar. Do you hear these on a regular basis? Because these are the guys that when Brad Holm burnt this thing to the ground, here's who he put in that locker room. 2021, Panay Sewell, Amon Ross St. Brown, Derek Barnes, Aleem McNeil, Iftu Melifanu, Jerry Jacobs. 2022, Aiden Hutchinson, Jamison Williams, Josh Pascal, Kirby Joseph. 2023, Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, Brian Branch, Jack Campbell. Brand, I just named 14 players that I hear on a regular basis that contribute to this Lions team. There are a lot of good GMs in the league. I don't think anybody is as good as as Brad Holmes when it comes to evaluating talent. Um, Because not only is he good at evaluating football talent, but he does what I cringe at and I get sick of hearing, which is drafting the right kind of player. Like he has put a great product in that locker room for Dan Campbell to work with. And this is what happens when leadership from the top down are all speaking the same language. You got Sheila who is, who has put these guys in the position and given them the keys to say, go build this thing and, and, and build us a winner. She, she's gotten out of the way. She, then you add in Brad Holmes. Brad Holmes, he drafts, just like I said, the guys that he pegs, that he kind of scouts out and wants to put in that locker room. He does his thing. But it's not just there. He's drafting teams that fit the Dan Campbell profile of a football coach. He gets those guys with the right attitude in Dan's locker room. And then those are the guys that Dan's emotionally yelling at after the game, pumping them up. And that's why they look like they want to run through a brick wall for this guy. Because from the top down, it's cohesive, and it's never been that way. So, yeah, Lions fans, 
enjoy this. You should be soaking this up, absolutely soaking this up until Sunday at 2.59 p.m. I'm serious. Like, this is huge. You won that game. You're going to be – I know we're going to talk betting lines at the at the end of the podcast. You're going to be significantly favored over the Bucks. We're going to talk about them next. But you enjoy this moment and and, and celebrate it. Brant, I want to talk this Lions and Bucks matchup. Okay, um, make sure if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button here on the on the YouTube channel. We greatly appreciate it. Hop in those comments as well. Brant, what do what do you see when you look at the Buccaneers? Now, this is a Buccaneers team that the Lions played earlier in the year. And I don't remember if it was like week five, week six, week seven. It was somewhere in that time period. The Bucs were at that point when they played them an overachieving team. I thought anyway, I was like, okay, that record's inflated. Then the Lions beat them. I think it was 20 to six. They come down to earth. They lose some games. And then now, I mean, we just heard this about the Rams last week. One of the hottest teams in the NFL. I think they finished by winning six of seven games or something like that. So another hot team, Baker Mayfield throw, throws north of 300 yards against the Eagles, three touchdowns, has himself a game. Um, and I saw some stat or somebody uh, that said because the the Bucks can stop the run, which we know. What do the Lions like to do? They like to run the football. And I saw s- some some take that you know the Lions' worst rushing game of the year was against the Bucks. That's a huge asterisk, by the way, if you see that out there. Because I did some digging and went back to the box score of that game. Number one, Jameer Gibbs did not play in that game, and number two, that was the game that uh, David Montgomery went down in the second quarter. So so you you had Craig Reynolds running the football. So I, I'm not saying they don't have a good run defense. They do. But to say that, like, they've already proven they could stop the Detroit rush offense, I, I don't necessarily buy, buy into that. But, Brant, I do want to hear from you on both sides of the football. How do you think the Lions stack up against the, against the Bucks? And uh, tell me what you think. I think the X factor in this game is Baker Mayfield. I mean, what Baker Mayfield do you get out there, Dave? We have seen bad Baker, and we have seen good Baker. I know what I'm going to get from Jared Goff. I know what I'm going to get from the Lions running game. I know what I'm going to get from Amon Ross St. Brown and that receiving core. The other question, Dave, what am I going to get from that Detroit defense? Um, So if Baker's out there cooking, this thing could be a shootout, Dave. Like, you could look up at the scoreboard at the end of the game, and it might look a lot like the Packers-Cowboys, 48-32 or something crazy like that. Like, I'm expecting points to be scored in this game, and Baker's going to give you opportunities to take the ball away from him. It's what that defense does when he does that. I, I think that I think that the Buccaneers, Dave, while they can stop the run, they also give way to the pass, too, and – the Lions are not strictly a running team. Like, that's not what they do. That's if, – if the pass is there to be had, they will take advantage of it. So I look for the Lions to actually torch these guys through the air, and I look for the Bucks to try to torch the Lions through the air. So I think you're going to see probably over 30 attempts for both Baker and Jared Goff. I think they're going to be slinging around the yard. I think the difference comes into, again, forward field. What kind of – what kind of silent count can the Bucks do? I would much rather have a guy like Matthew Stafford running the silent count than a dude like Baker Mayfield. And, and don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not going to sit up here and poo-poo on Baker Mayfield. 
because you know what? That dude has put in the work. He has got himself in the divisional playoffs. He seems to found a home filling the shoes of one Tom Brady, um, which cannot be an easy task. So uh, good for Baker Mayfield, but I expect Detroit to get enough stops um, to pull this thing out. And I think the most, probably the most crucial thing in this game, Dave, is how do Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery manufacture tough yards? Because I think that this could be under a hundred, under 125 rushing yards for the Lions altogether. Um, but it's going to be about how do they get they get those crucial first downs? Do they get fourth and two pickups? Um, and can they score enough points to beat the Bucs? Because I do believe that Mike Evans, uh, Godwin, um, all those guys are probably going to have some sort of day. And uh, I can't remember the guy that just ate up the uh, ate up the Eagles. But, Trey Palmer. Yeah, Trey Palmer, the kid from Nebraska. I, I know more about him playing at Nebraska than I do uh, for him playing at uh, playing for the Buccaneers. But, I mean, their offense is serious, Dave. I mean, this is a good offense. And I don't know how much you can take away from the Philadelphia game. The Philadelphia Eagles just look absolutely lifeless. Like, Sirianni's got a real problem with that locker room. I'm not sure if they hate the defense, the offense hates the defense, or nobody likes Jalen Hurts or what, but they are in a complete – if you think the Cowboys are in shambles, the Eagles are right there with them. But that's that's a topic for another time. But what do you think about the Bucks Lions matchup? I mean, I'm just looking at and and not that I I want to do this and look back on a game earlier in the year because it's playoff football now, which is different. But the Lions did become one dimensional and they threw the ball 44 times. I'm looking at the box score right now. Jared Goff in this game. When Craig Reynolds ran it 10 times for 15 yards and was bottled up, Jared Goff threw 30 of 44 for 353 yards and two touchdowns. One of those was a 45-yard bomb to your boy Jamison Williams. So, look, they're going to be able to throw the football. Now you add in Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery who weren't there, um, and also Jonah Jackson didn't play in that game either. So you've got a healthy O-line, both running backs that will be there, wide receivers that are – that are going to – they're absolute playmakers. I mean, Brand, Monroe St. Brown, 12 catches, 124 yards in a touchdown when they played. Like, they're going to be able to score. You said it earlier. This is a Super Bowl winning offense. It is. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, but they're certainly good enough. Um, I, I, I love this matchup. I think on the other side of, of the ball, I think the, the Bucks, Baker Mayfield – Huge X factor. We you you've said that several times, and I agree with you. But Rashad White, they're they're running back. Am I worried about him? No, I'm I'm not. They do not have an elite run game. I think that if you can make the Bucks one dimensional and make Baker beat you, I think this line uh, this Lions defense is going to be able to to hold up okay. And these receivers, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin's, like. Or Chris Godwin, I'm sorry, Trey Palmer, Otten too. They're 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 tight end. They're they're a different arsenal than what they just played against the Rams. Like those receivers, like playing against Mike Evans is a lot different than guarding like Cooper Cup and and Puka Nakua. Um, it just is like he's a big body receiver, and you know I I just think that I'm more confident in their matchups against the Bucks than I am with how, what they were against the the Rams and. We, we saw how that game turned out. So I, I like this matchup for the Lions a lot. I think that they can get it done. I, I did have one last question for you, Brant, before we get into the betting segment. And 
looking at the four quarterbacks that are left in the NFC right now, I want to know where Jared Goff ranks among those uh, for you. You've got um, Jordan Love and Brock Purdy, and then you've got uh, Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff. Those four quarterbacks, where does Jared Goff rank in that? He's number one, but I, I don't think it's it's not by a long shot. It's Jordan Love played fantastic on Sunday, and he deserves all his flowers. And Baker played out of his mind, but we know what the real Baker looks like. I'm not sure we've seen the real Jordan Love yet, Dave. Like, we've seen him be really good in the beginning of the year. He was very shaky, and we know what Brock Purdy is. Brock Purdy is very much a system quarterback. I would probably place him at number three ahead of Baker Mayfield and probably Jordan Love number two. But, Dave, as far as seasoned quarterback play goes, um, you know, this is Jared Goff's NFC championship shot here. Like, he can get there. He can get this team over the hump. Dave, I have a question for you. (laughs) Could they have – could the Lions defense pulled two tougher matchups with their wide receiver matchups? Like, you get the Rams, which obviously Nakua and Cup and Higby and those boys – at well and now you flip it over and now you have like you said they're a different beast but they're just as good if not better and where have the Lions struggled the most on defense Dave yeah in the past I mean that is just clear as day what we know their run defense is is good I, I I just think that even if you look at before the playoffs the wide receivers they've had to play up against whether it was CeeDee Lamb, whether it was Justin Jefferson, like they're they torched they, them all. They all got torched. They've <laughs> all been torched. Okay. They've all been torched. Every single one of those games, except for the Cowboys, resulted in a win. So look, I'm not saying like that's a good thing, but the the idea of the 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 bend don't break or whatever you want to call it. Look, sometimes it's the NFL, man. Some of these guys are gonna get theirs. But if you can turn around and capitalize on turnovers and when the when the moment is just right, when you need to strike, that's how you win these games. Um, and that's exactly what the Lions did against the Rams. So I'm I'm confident in them. I think that they do win this game. And man, this is just a beautiful, beautiful time to be a sports fan in the in the state of Michigan. All right, Brandon, bring us home in the betting segment here. Dave, we're going to start with the Texans and Ravens uh, Saturday afternoon game. I know I texted you last weekend and how great it was to have playoff football back. Texans were such a fun watch. If you guys didn't get a chance to watch that football game, try to watch this one because I think that um, they're going to give the Ravens all they can handle. I mean, they are nine and a half point underdogs, Dave. Do you like the nine and a half with Houston or are you riding with the Ravens? No, I, I like the nine and a half with Houston, especially, I mean, Time off can be a good thing, right? Like it, it can, especially with health and everything this time of year. But the Ravens are coming off a bye week and the, the Texans are coming off a continued just scorching offense with C.J. Stroud. And I like them with nine and a half points. I don't, I, I'm not picking the Texans to win this game, but I like them with nine and a half points. What about you, Brant? I like the nine and a half with the Texans as well. I will roll with that. However, I think the Texans' defense keeps them more in this game than their offense. I think this is more of a low-scoring game. I could see this ending up being like 24-20, 24-17, something in that ballpark. 
I don't think the Texans offense is going to be what you saw at home. They're going to be outside in Maryland. So it, it could be definitely a little bit of a different beast for the Texans there, but I will take the nine and a half. All right. The, <laughs> the Cinderella team, Dave, if you will, Packers at 49ers night game out in Cali, uh, nine and a half point favorites are the 49ers. I'll take green Bay with nine and a half. Um, kind of similar to what I just said. I, Look, the the Packers are they're very similar to the Texans right now. It's like some people would argue they shouldn't be here right now, but they are. And as the Texans have CJ Stroud, the Packers have Jordan Love, who's playing out of his mind right now. And Matt LaFleur, sorry, is a very good coach. Kyle Shanahan, we know is a great coach. I think this is going to be a really good matchup. Um Maybe a touchdown game. I'm not picking the Packers to win, but I'll take them with nine and a half points. What about you? I'm going to go on the other side of this. I think San Francisco covers this number. Uh, That defense is really, really good. And Jordan Love, road game, hostile environment. I just feel like the 49ers are either great or they, they just kind of stink for some reason. Like they went on a losing streak earlier in the season, but I just think you're going to get their best effort this weekend against a Packers team that might be riding a little too high. Give me the 49ers to cover the nine and a half at home. All right, let's do uh chiefs at bills Sunday night game. How many times do we got to see these teams meet in the playoffs? <laughs> That's literally what I was just going to say. Why do I feel like I have to watch this game every single year? And it's normally a good game, by the way, but right. it's just Bill's Chiefs. Like, you knew and, it was going to happen. And this game just so happens to be in Buffalo. Um, two and a half point favorites. Uh, the Bills are. Will Taylor be in attendance? We don't know. We will be on Taylor Watch all Sunday night. I know Dave and I will be checking in. Shout out Robert Ching. I know he'll be wearing his Swifty shirt. Um, so do you like the Bills to cover two and a half? Oh, so Bills covering two and a half points. Ooh. Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I think this is the the time that Josh Allen gets over the Patrick Mahomes and Chiefs like hump. I think they get this done. They may win by a field goal. But I, I think the Bills, I don't know what the weather forecast looks like, okay? I, I don't know. But maybe it's a factor. And I know it was just like negative five degrees in Kansas City as well. However, the, the Bills are just, their fans are insane. I don't know. I, I just think that this is the time that Josh Allen finally gets it done and hopefully can get out of his own way and doesn't turn the ball over in a crucial moment. What about you, Brant? Got it. Dave is predicting a Bills Lions Super Bowl. Okay, got it. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Bills as well here. I just think that they can run the ball, and this game, oddly enough, is gonna come down to who can run the ball better. I think the Chiefs also, in a weird way, can kind of facilitate the ball on the ground uh, to score points. But I, I really just like the Bills mojo here, kind of like you do. Sign us up for the Bills Mafia, Dave. We're going to ride together on that one. All right, Bucks at Lions. Six and a half point favorites, the Lions are. <sighs> Take a deep breath, Lions fans. You are favored in a playoff game, a divisional playoff game, to get to the NFC Championship. Who are you taking, Dave? I will take the Bucks plus six and a half. Um, yeah, I love the Lions to win this game, but I, th- I think that 
This game will be close, very similar to to the Rams game, and I just hope that the the Lions and I man I I'd like to think that they will get up for this game the same way they got up for the Rams game, and I I think that they will. I just think that um something tells me that this is going to be a stressful one, just like that that Rams game, like right up to the last possession. So. I like the Bucks with plucks six and a half, but give me Lions all day to win this thing. Seeing the NFC Championship. What about you, Brant? I am taking the Buccaneers as well. Uh, I took the Rams last week, and that paid off um, with the three and a half. I just think this is also very close. Probably last possession game, like you just said, Dave. I like the Lions to eat this one out, though. I think there's just too much Ford Field motivation there maybe they make the bucks use a couple timeouts again like they made the rams i don't know maybe baker mayfield gets some false starts i i could just see so many things that are going to go into the lions favor to to have them pull this one out but i think the bucks play a great game like i i think that the lions really are going to have to earn this one it's not going to be given to them by any means completely agree on that note thanks for sticking with us here on garage shake season three episode 23 make sure you like follow subscribe to the podcast hop over to that youtube channel hit the subscribe button there as well hopefully when we are back for episode 24 we are previewing an nfc championship game for the lions till then we'll see you guys next time